um, and uh, just have some um, communion. We actually forgot to get it ready. Uh, it's so important to what we want to share this morning. So I've, I've been uh, sharing a few things with you um, over the past uh, few weeks. We are, we are again uh, building um, and we trust in God to, uh, to do awesome stuff. Uh, yesterday it was great to see all the new Bible school students and uh, you guys look good. Uh, excited and uh, we're going to uh, really uh, walk the road of discipleship this year um, and uh, so before I start this morning can I just get an agreement here while we are in the period of discipleship um, let's let's trust God to speak into our hearts and if the shoe fits then uh, you know you go to God and you go and sort it out you work it through with him okay that is that all right uh, for all of us um, and uh, the challenge is that, uh, you know, for me, I'm really trusting God that uh, we will be a discipleship church, a church that knows how to be disciplined in God. You know, people that are committed to God's cause and, uh, and on fire for God. Um, and in, to, in order to do so, we need to really trust him to work in our lives and to do extraordinary things. And, uh, and he's doing it. I'm so blessed with what I am seeing in all of us. We um, we're stepping out to, uh, to experience the blessing that God wants to bring. So, so we are just busy learning from the big names in the Bible, um, some uh, principles that, um, that I believe is, is important for us as building blocks in what God wants to do. And uh, this morning I'm going to share out of Mark chapter 10, verse 35. If you have your Bibles with you or your apps or whatever, just follow. Because... Um, um, yeah, disciples need to get into the Bible. So, uh, guys, we need to read the Bible more. Um, I'm just the last few weeks so blessed by spending a lot of time in the Word of God. Um, so, Mark chapter 10, verse 35, and then we're going to unfold that and speak about a few things that I believe um, is in all of us. And when I speak to you, I'm speaking to myself, and I also want to say, don't think about the person next to you. Um, and uh, this sermon is today for this person. <laughs> it's for you, okay? Every one of us need to work at, at these things and have a certain element of um, these things in our lives. So, so let's trust God to become the, the disciples that he's called us to. Chapter 10 of Mark, verse 35, and I'm um, reading from the NRSV. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, and I want you to listen to, uh, it's a quite a demanding um, uh, <laughs> point that they are coming from. And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Uh, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. Okay. Uh, we're talking about the, the uh, sons of thunder. Yeah, eh? James and John were called the, the, the sons of thunder. And uh, so Jesus are saying to them, hey, guys, come on. You're going to uh, drink this cup. Don't worry. Um, and with a baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those who, whom, 
it has been prepared. When the 10 heard this, the other 10, it's now um, the rest of the disciples. Uh, just imagine this now. They began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, come here. Come, let's, let's have a talk. You know that among the Gentiles, those whom you, they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, uh, there's this story that I've heard a few times uh, preachers um, uh, talking about whenever it gets to this um, uh, piece of scripture. And it's, uh, it's about this uh, pastor that actually get into heaven. And um, when he gets to, uh, to heaven, the angel takes him to a little hut, small little hut, and he uh, finds the hut and he uh, looks at the hut and he um, says to, um, to the angel, it's strange, you know, is, is, this, is this my place to stay in for eternity? And the um, angel said, yes, this is your, your place to stay. And uh, he said, okay, and this mansion next to me, he said, no, this is um, actually uh, Mrs. Jones. You remember Mrs. Jones about two weeks ago in your congregation? She also uh, came to eternity. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, but you, you're talking about the deaf lady that uh, always sits in the back of the pews and sleeping during the service. And, uh, you know, that's, um, that's struggling to... Um, to actually listen to what I'm saying. And he said, um, yes, that's, that's the lady. But you know what? She actually always sat in the back row um, interceding. And that's why it looked like uh, she's, uh, she's busy um, sleeping, but she was actually praying. And uh, he said, uh, yes, but you know, I've done a lot of amazing stuff during the sermons that I've preached. And I've seen uh, many people doing um, many great things um, because of me and he said yes but it was because of this lady sitting at the back pew uh, busy uh, praying for you <laughs> and uh, you know for me the beautiful um, part of this story is uh, the fact that <laughs> you know we are so typically human uh, whenever it gets to the kingdom you know we focus on on so the wrong things um and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I want to talk about a few things this morning that I believe is so part of us, um, so part of all of the disciples, actually, uh, that uh, walked with Jesus. And there's, there's a few things that we must learn out of that. Um, and so it's not about actually the position that we have in church or the position that we have in the kingdom and the great things that people talk about that we are doing for the kingdom, but it's about our ability to uh, actually sincerely to serve and serve God's kingdom and do whatever he has called us to do. And, um, and so, you know, for us, it, um, when we look at this piece of scripture, uh, we must be honest, these two disciples were quite demanding. Um, and uh, you must just remember they, they were about 20, just, above 20 when jesus called them the two uh, sons of thunder so um if jesus walked the road with them until about say 25 for three years uh even at the end of jesus's ministry they would have been very young are we are we talking about the same thing yeah okay so so for these disciples um there's a lot that they still need to learn but we also know that they've 
become amazing men um, after this they came to a place where they've done great exploits for god so uh, so just talking about john for instance we are spending some time in discipleship um, on friday mornings and going through john you know you look at john's story and you realize being called the, the you know the, the son of thunder uh, with his, his brother james um he's got awesome opportunities with jesus where actually within the circle of 12 there's the circle of three the guys that went with jesus on critical stages of jesus ministry we know that um, john himself and so we don't know if that was what everyone said but he himself said he was the beloved of god um, or of jesus um, in the book of john he said it many times that the beloved of jesus um, was himself uh, so so clearly john you know had a close relationship with jesus he was part of the three um he was also the one if we look at those amazing um times that he spent with jesus he was the one that was there when jesus sweat blood okay uh, in the garden when he um when he prayed to the father and he uh, asked for the cup to pass we know that he was the one that also were together at uh, when elijah came down um to uh to, to as the prophet and um and when peter said please let's just make a hut here and keep them yeah okay uh he was um you know the one that stood at the cross the only man that actually stood at the cross with the other ladies um that uh, were committed to the end but now we look at this picture and this is now before all of these commitments and uh, you know they clearly made big commitments to Jesus where they actually committed themselves to death. And now uh, so easily they can um, start to become self-righteous. We've done the dues. Okay. We've studied the Bible school. We've, um, we've spent the time with Jesus. And so uh, there's no better time to actually ask it of him. Now, can we actually be rewarded in eternity? Um, so I want to take you back to verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. <laughs> and it's strange how we find ourselves many times at the same place, where we want Jesus to perform according to our plans and purposes, and he must do whatever we ask him to do. Otherwise, we throw our toys out of the cot. Verse 36. And he said to them, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and what, one at your left. Do I hear a feedback, Ian? Maybe if we can just put those. Sorry, just want, don't want you to be distracted today. Please be focused. Um, and he said to them, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, uh, grant us to sit one at the right and one to the left in your glory. So they wanted the two um, top positions. And, uh, and Jesus said, you know, I've got one issue here. The problem is that I actually can't give you that which you've asked uh, because it's not in my hands. But one thing that I do know that you can expect is you can expect to go through the suffering that I'm suffering in order 
to get there. Um, and many times, you know, we find ourselves at the same place, being justified, feeling justified, feeling that we have the anointing and the, the plan of God in our lives, um, to ask him such bold statements without, you know, um, willing to, uh, to walk the road that he wants for us. Verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And uh, so Jesus is asking them, are you able? Are you able to actually fulfill that which I've called you to? Are you able to drink the cup that I have for your life? Now, all of us know that there's certain things that God has called us to and that God has installed for our lives. So there's no... We said it last week, there's no even doubt about the fact that you are anointed and that God wants you to fulfill his plan and purpose. The only challenge is, are you willing to fulfill it the way that he wants you to fulfill it? Verse 39, he replied, we are able, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those who it has been prepared. Okay, now I don't want to go into a long conversation about predestination today. Um, that's a, a whole story by itself. Come to Bible school to, uh, to come and listen uh, to predestination. Um, that's a Bible school ad. You can still enroll for those who uh, <laughs> have not done it yet. Um, we uh, can have that discussion there. Um, but, um, but God clearly has a plan. And he says to them, you guys don't know the plan that God has for your lives clearly. <laughs> because what you ask me now is not something that I can give you, but the Father can give you. But what I can promise you is you're going to suffer. Okay. Disciples of God, can I tell you one thing today? I can't promise you anything, and I cannot um, tell you that it's going to be a good outcome. Even what I can tell you is that you're going to suffer in this world. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. There's one that's <laughs> We don't want to preach these things um, in church. Eh? It's, uh, it's stuff that we rather would leave, uh, you know, for, um, for the hard discussions when we uh, get together. But what I want to say to you is Jesus actually is very upfront with what he expects of his disciples when it gets to earthly things. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm so upfront with you uh, today is verse 39. Um, they say that they are able, and Jesus says to them, listen, you will drink of the cup and you will suffer. Now, just want to mention again, um, clearly James was executed by King Herod at about 44 after Christ. Um, and, uh, and John, we, we know, went to Patmos you know, was, uh, was actually uh, persecuted and, um, and taken to Pat Patmos where he could then write down revelations. Uh, but he went through a lot of hardship, even in jail, as an old man, you know, at his, I think it was, you know, probably um, close to 100 even, uh, when he wrote, wrote um, revelations. So they went through a lot of difficulty. Verse 14. Listen to this, but to sit at my right hand and to my left, it's not mine to grant, but it is for those whom 
it has been prepared. Um, you know, when it gets to the guaranteed reward for each one of us in serving Christ, the only re reward that we know we will have is that of a relationship with Christ. And, uh, you know, if you want to have a religion where you have the promise of certain outcomes, even here in this world, uh, or even after, then um, you must choose a different one because this one is not going to work for you. <laughs> Some religions will uh, promise you 72 virgins, uh, you know, uh, for the men after, after this life. And uh, some of them will um, even promise you the karma of uh, amazing, um, you know, rewards, if not in this life uh, afterwards. But when it gets to Christianity, the challenge that you and I have is that it's a commitment not to a religion where rules and uh, expectations is put on us, but a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and in doing so, the only promise that we have is that he's walking with us. And so many times we focus on the big things that he's going to do in our lives and big promises and talking about predestination, the calling and purpose that he has for our lives, that we forget that his expectation is for us just to be faithful in what we have now. So if we talk about predestination and we talk about God's plan and purpose for your life, let's just be clear about the fact that you know, if God has called you to be a father, be a good father. If God has called you to be president, you know, if you're the president of the United States or you're the prime minister today of this country, then you better do it right and good because you're going to be accountable to that position uh, that you will be in. So it's not about the seat that you occupy. It's about how you actually use that seat to fulfill God's calling upon your life. Are you with me today? So some of us I've found as disciples are so excited about what's going to happen one day that we forget that God has a plan right now and that he actually has given you an office and a leadership position because all of us are called as leaders when we signed up for um, salvation. Salvation means for us that we've actually signed up to God's promise for our lives. That we've made a decision to say, God, it's not about what I expect anymore, but it's about your expectation upon my life. And if doing so, it means that you will have to be faithful in whatever he released you to do. Um, right now, not one day, not becoming um, 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 Prime Minister Malcolm. Uh, we know that God has great plans, um, but... Uh, <laughs> Are you with me this morning? Oh, he's not prime minister. He's not standing for prime minister. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> what I'm just saying is, if you are called to be prime minister, make sure that you focus. <laughs> but the way and the, the road that you get there is actually to, to understand that God appoints leaders in whatever position right now so that you will be faithful in that and that you will step out and start to live the life that God has called you to. And you will not be accountable to being first um, or prime minister if you're not called to do that. Humankind cannot carry the burden of leadership if they're not called to do so. I'm talking about positions that you've not been called to do. 
if you've been called to be a good steward at you know your um, workplace and that is what god has called you to do now make sure that that it, that it counts mm. but for these men jesus is saying to them listen <laughs> you've got great plans and you've got great aspirations and uh, you know some of the other gospels even says that their mother got involved and uh, you know she was trying to uh, manipulate the situation and said to jesus but jesus they are very faithful did you see <laughs> You know how our mothers can, uh, you know, get excited about us um, when we're not even excited about ourselves. <laughs> and this is a situation where these two guys, Jesus just wants them to understand, that, listen, guys, what you expect of me is something that you're not, you, you're not supposed to even take your head there. <laughs> you're supposed just to look at your circumstances and start to get excited about what I've called you to do now within the position, because you are in a position of leadership. Don't tell me that you aren't, because even if it's just to rule your life well, so that people next door can get excited about what's happening, then that is being faithful. So Ed spoke about it this morning. So it's not how high we climb on the corporate ladder that matter. It's all about how well we serve where we are. Here's the secret. Grace, it's God's grace that we are whom we are, and we are where we are. If you understand the grace of your very existence, you will be enlightened and set free from the hunger for power and position because you now realize that you just have to be the best version of you, not somebody else or somewhere else. And, uh, you know, the best of all is uh, the we think that these guys are are the worst of them all look at the rest of the disciples <laughs> the 10 comes back and they are furious how can you dare to actually ask that question how can you dare to even think about now in in the economy of uh, first come first serve um you know for these guys it will mean that uh, because these guys asked first, they probably are first in line to sit next to Jesus. But in the economy of Jesus, it's probably last <laughs> comes first. Because for him, the, the question lies within, did God call you to suffer or not? Because if, if it means that you must take a certain load upon you to... And we're talking about suffering this morning, but please, guys, don't lose track here. It's not about going through hardship the rest of your life and becoming a suffering freak because that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. I love what um, Malisha said this morning. Some of us must just start to call out God's promises over our lives so that we can um, start to get excited about something in our lives. Okay? I'm not talking about being suffering freaks because that's not what Christ has called us to either. What he has called us to is to fulfill and be faithful in that which he has what the father has called us to do and so um it's not even as much in measuring ourselves to others as much as it is um to be uncontent no let me rather read it our problem is not as much even measuring ourselves to others as much as it is being uncontent um to deal with where we are currently so verse 42 so Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize 
as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes you to be among you must be a slave of all. So this morning, um, I want to say to you, the best place to be at is the place of serving. <laughs> the best place to be at is the place to be faithful in that which God has called you to do. Those who discover God's calling upon their lives and just being um, focused on that uh, is receiving the blessing. Verse 45, for the son of man come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So clearly Jesus is um, talking about being the son of man, but also bringing himself into a place of divinity. So if, if being divine, if being part of the Trinity, he's willing to lay down his life and sacrifice for us. He's expecting the same for us to do the world people around us. And, um, and then the question um, arise about what is our destiny. And, um, and this brings us to the, the question of, you know, what did God predestine us to fulfill here on earth? Um, and the, the reward lies within discovering that in the journey that Christ has for us. Now, if I look at um, men in the Bible, it's so strange to see how uh, almost all of them got it wrong. <laughs> so don't feel so condemned this morning. <laughs> If I look at um, the men of God all over the, the word of God, I can see that um, this is one of the greatest struggles. Jonah um, was so concerned about the uh, reputation that he had as a prophet um, that he could not actually reveal the grace of God to people around him because he knew that if he had to, to, uh, to talk about a different outcome, God not judging the people of Nineveh, but rather showing grace to them and not destroy all of them, it will mean that his word as a prophet will look very bad <laughs> because it will look as if he did not really hear from God. So he's concerned just after God said, okay, I'll show mercy to the people of Nineveh. He goes and sits um, and he's scorched by um, the sun. <laughs> And God has a meeting with him again and says, listen, can we just. And now you find yourself um, in the middle of the situation and you feel affronted by the fact that I'm not um, using the word that you've given to these people to show your power <laughs> and to show how accurate you are in me. The challenge that Jonah has is that. Um, the motivation of why he serves God is um, exposed. And let me tell you, many times we find ourselves at exactly the same place. We become so judgmental over people around us and about circumstances and even um, offended by God that we forget the love of God to serve people and to see them being the focus point of the ministry that we are doing is most important. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, let me read this first. Try to, motivate, um, try to motivate God with treats and intimidations. If not done his way, this was now um, 
Jonah. I'll run away, backslide, or quit the assignment or ministry if you don't give me whatever I want, God. I'll do this for you if you would do this for me. Okay, I know you guys, again, don't do these things. You don't have these discussions even with God. So uh, please don't be offended this morning. It's for the other people that you're ministering to, okay? Are you, are you with me? <laughs> okay, Woo! are you awake? Yeah. Many times we have all kinds of expectations toward God. And we say, God, I'm not going to serve you anymore. I don't want to be saved anymore even. I, I'm fed up with the, uh, even the, the pressure of um, serving you and to be this disciple that you've asked me to, uh, to be. God, if you don't come through for me, I'm better than this, God. I deserve better. And this is where Jonah finds himself. You know that God, God's response within this is, okay, Jonah. <laughs> it's fine if you feel like that but you know what my love is with the people that i've sent you to <laughs> my grace is toward the people that i know you can change and transform are you willing to uh, to accept that i will withdraw even <laughs> my presence in your life <laughs> if um, if that is your attitude and now jonah finds himself under the tree being scorched by um by uh, the sun and many times we find ourselves in that place because we're so offended with where god is at and what god is doing and the grace that he's showing toward people around us and the, even the favor that he's showing upon uh, people around us that we don't focus on the, the promises and, and heart that he has toward us and um and uh, and the assignment that he's given us Jacob's ne negativity. Jacob had been um, in relational conflict from the, the word go. First with his parents, or first with his brother, actually. <laughs> Twice with his brother, and then um, we know later on with, uh, with his parents. And, um, and then from there onwards, Jacob um, even uh, went to his, his uh, um, uncle, Laban. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he also picks up the fight. And, uh, you know, Jacob learns to start to scheme and connive in his life to actually just survive. Because the only thing that um, Jacob knows is to actually get to a point where he can, um, you know, uh, just make sure to always survive in such a way that um, the outcome will be good. Until he wrestles with God. Until he has a moment with God in which he can start to wrestle and say, God, what's happening in my life? And why am I always, you know, on the back foot? <laughs> always feeling that people are against me and people don't want the best for my life. And sometimes we experience that in our lives. We feel that the favor of God is not upon our lives. We feel that why, God, are you coming through for other people and you're not coming through for me? The challenge for Jacob is until he gets confronted with God's calling upon his life and the fact that the nations will, or the Jewish nation will, will um, spring forth from his um, loins, he must um, actually be very honest with himself and how he has scheme and connive to get there. And as soon as he can discover that, he gets to a moment of promise within God's plan for his life. The only challenge with Jacob is, even though the 12 sons get born from him, um, 
David stay as negative as he was always in the past <laughs> because of being so used to broken relationships and, um, and not trusting God to fulfill the plan. Always having to, uh, to, to make things work rather than to wait on God to fulfill those things. Listen to Genesis chapter 42. Are you guys still with me? Mm-hmm. Just say to the person next to you, you are blessed. <laughs> Amen. Genesis 42 verse 36. Listen to this one. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is not more. Is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. And many times in our own lives, if we are honest with ourselves, we find ourselves at a place where we think everything and everyone, God is against me, and you know, and we struggle with this <laughs> until we can um, allow ourselves to get um, confronted with God's promise. Overcoming the feeling that others are working against him. Every tragedy or setback brings a response of pessimism and discouragement or self-pity and complaining even with periods of non-productivity in Jacob's life. But look at the the counterfeit. Let's talk about Joseph and the things that's going wrong in Joseph's life. You know, even worse things happen to Joseph He's, um, he's very eternal minded and so much that he starts to be, become proudful or prideful um, and his brothers scheme and connive against him. And Joseph finds himself, you know, in a destiny totally alone, um, trying to stay committed to God's promise for his life. And yet through all of this, Joseph makes the counter choice. Not to be bitter and negative about life, but to actually make a choice of faith to step out and move forward. Are you with me? Mm. Now, there's two things that's evident for me about um, Joseph's life. The first one is that he sees the overview of God's plan in totality over his life. So I want to say to you this morning, if you tend to even be negative or you tend to find yourself at that place where the enemy always accuses you of not being blessed, you must go back to see the eagle's view for your life. Maybe it's time that you get out of the city, just into a forest or something that you can walk and, and uh, ask God to speak to you about your life's purpose and where he's heading with you. Because if you see that picture, Joseph, see, no, everything is all right. Even though I've got now a reputation of being, you know, a, 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 in jail and, you know, even um, struggling with uh, Potiphar's wife and... Yeah. All of those things doesn't matter because God has a greater plan and he's promised me that my brothers are still going to come and bow before me. (laughs) You know, I've got great destiny before me because I choose to believe what God has in store for my life. Are you with me this morning? Okay, people, you, um, I know that you guys are not struggling with this, but um, please (laughs) keep up with me. 
Because the other thing is, Joseph never lose faith in God's purpose for his life. Listen to Genesis 50 verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive <laughs> as they are today. Everything that's happening in your life, God will work together for the good because he loves you. I love what uh, Malisha said this morning. God loves you. He loves you so much that nothing in your circumstances or the shame that you're carrying with you about the past is enough to take you away from the love that he has and the favor that he can bestow upon you, your life instantly. God loves you. He's got the best intentions for you. Romans 8, 28, I'll quote it again. We know that for those who, lo um, who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his. Okay. Purpose. Okay, wonderful. Thanks, Malisha. You're awake. <laughs> Judas. Let's talk about Judas quickly, guys. We're almost there. I need to, um, to lay down um, this last one still. Judas ambition. <laughs> you know, so, so for Judas, the biggest challenge is the disappointment. Um, the disappointment that he has that the promise that Jesus has given him, uh, you know, and all the big things that's going to happen in his life because he's following Jesus is not coming to fruition. So now by the time that um, these um, Pharisees comes to him and the priests, uh, you know, come to him to make a deal. He's immediately making some sums because, you know, 30 shekels is probably what he would have earned over the three years uh, that he was serving Jesus. And, uh, you know, all of the expectation to, uh, to serve Jesus and to see great things happening um, starts to be justified in his head. And I think at a stage, uh, Judas actually felt that he's really doing the right thing. <laughs> and before you think Judas is so bad, just be careful because um, we are sometimes confronted with, you know, the, uh, the fact that um, God is not always fulfilling our expectations as we are, as we think he would. <laughs> and we start to think in our inner room even <laughs> about Yes, God, you know what? If I was not in this position, I would have been um, a lot better off <laughs> if I didn't make choices to follow you. Okay, am I the only one that sometimes go through this? <laughs> and the enemy starts to play with our heads. <laughs> he starts to tell us the story. Listen, you know, you've made so many sacrifices and people have, uh, you know, offended you uh, in church or in church circles or at work. And let's just get back to the point again. Only God appoints leaders. <laughs> Only God appoints you in any position that you will ever fulfill in this life. So stop worrying about what you don't have and... and Start to get to the place of contentment where you actually can uh, realize that, you know what, ambitions um, sometimes rule our lives. And, uh, 
and we start to think about what we deserve rather than what we are willing to lay down because Jesus made himself of no reputation. Jesus was willing to actually become nothing so that he can get the eternal prize. But that means dying to self now. <laughs> his act of self-destruction led to his uh, preservation and promotion to the right hand of the Father. Maybe I should just read this, and this is not to be condemning. It's actually for freedom's sake. Adultery, lying, dishonesty, anger, and other sinful manifestations are only the fruit. I'm going to get back to the Johnson grass just now. Above the ground, the root is the selfish nature that we have. So many times we see these things popping out in our lives. <laughs> and we're trying to just deal with it, okay? Let's just deal with the sins and the, you know, the bad things. Did I really do that now? You know, did I really fall into this trap of, of sin? You know, I'm a judge person. <laughs> the problem is that, um, you know, we spoke about it last week. Until you deal with the root issue in your life, you will never be able to get the freedom that is necessary. Oh. And that um, Johnson grass is so intertwined with, you know, the corn crop, the fruit that God wants for your life, that you cannot walk in the freedom that he has for your life. Yeah. Now, Peter was in exactly the same position. So let's not think that Peter's denial of Jesus was any less mm, mm. than what happened to Judas. Mm. There was a few things that went through Peter's mind as well when he made the sums to, uh, to follow Christ in the end at the cross. Remember, there was no man. I think John really slipped in the back door there um, being at the cross. It was the ladies that stood strong. <laughs> you know, and the, all of them made the promises, we'll die with you. Mm. Even Thomas said, before they went to Jerusalem, he said, Christ, we, uh, we, we must go. You know, everyone else says we, we should not, but we must go because we're going to die with you. So all of them knew that they will die. But when it came, that when it came to the, um, the confrontation, none of them were at the cross. <laughs> and I really think John, you know, got there um, at the end, you know, because... Also, the purposes of God um, and Jesus giving his, his, his mother's um, responsibility to John. But you know what? The challenge that we see with this is that the difference in which Peter dealt with the situation. Because Peter had exactly the same ambitions. <laughs> and he was also disappointed. He said to Jesus, no, listen, let's fight this army now. I've seen what you can do. <laughs> It's sort of this Roman army. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that within um, that evening when uh, the army came, it was a legion. It's ten, what was it, 10,000? What did you say the other night? 10,000 soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. It's not a small bunch of, <laughs> of police that came to Jesus. This was an army, a legion assigned to Jesus to come and arrest him. And here he goes in peace. But Peter wanted to fight them all. <laughs> you know what's the challenge? That, uh, between, um, because, I, I mean, Peter's heart gets so exposed to all of this. Just after Jesus died, he says, let's, let's go back fishing. 
he actually backslid. <laughs> he felt so shameful of what happened that he started to, um, to go back into his own ways. The only difference is he didn't hang himself on a tree in condemnation. He was confronted with the truth and he was willing to repent and learn from Jesus and become the man that God has called him to be. And so my message to you this morning is, there's hope for all of us, okay? There's hope for me as well, okay? You're the sinful pastor in the church. <laughs> there's hope for us. Because the men of God through all of the ages got it wrong. Jacob was the father, I mean, <laughs> of the tribes of Israel. He was the man in which God built his um, nation on. And yet he was a schemer and conniver and he always tried to wangle things so that he could, uh, until God wrestled with him. And he stays negative. And God brings him back to the promises to his son. I want to say to you, you know what? When it gets to us, we get it wrong. We often find ourselves at the place where you know, we are confronted with the fact that we are very ambitious. So don't tell me you aren't. All of us want to do great things for God and we think that we find our purpose in that. And yet all that Christ is saying to you, you know what? You're complaining about what you don't have. Let's just talk about what you have. Because you've got more than enough. You've got more gifting upon your life that you can spend in one life. You've got more of an anointing that is necessary even for you to break the yoke. Just be faithful. Somewhere I'm going to show you how faithfulness leads to uh, great exploits. But be faithful. Do whatever I've called you to. Proverbs 18 verse 16. A man's gift makes, makes room for him and brings him before the great. Now I want to end off with this this morning because I want to tell you the beautiful thing about it is that um, you and I will not fall into the temptation of uh, uncontentment, but in the promises of God right now. We're going to take the promises that he has for our lives and walk in it. We're going to be like Joseph, that in the jail <laughs> you prophesy. <laughs> Because sometime even the biker gets his chance. Even the, uh, you know, um, the servant would get his chance. But you don't know even when they will arrive to come and release you out of jail. It might take 10 years <laughs> before they are reminded that you are still there. And so for each one of you, I want to say, you know, it's beautiful to see how faithful you are in Christ because God loves just your commitment to him to say, God, whatever. <laughs> I, just, I just want to be faithful. God, I, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face and I'm going to, uh, you know, glorify you in everything that I do because that brings glory to you. When we find ourselves in that place, God can bless us. In conclusion, I'm ending off this morning um, with uh, some nuggets that you can take home. 
the first one is let you be motivated to serve in whatever capacity God has put you in and be faithful in the least of it. Okay. Let you be motivated to serve in whatever capacity God has put you in, but be faithful in it. Let the anointing of God be so strong in that thing that you know, people will not be able to hold you back. Because God's anointing is evident on your life. Even if you're the janitor cleaning the toilets at work. And, and we think about it in church terms. Guys, I'm not talking about church terms this morning. It's, it's amazing. You guys are all faithful here. We don't have a lot of positions um, open for you. So <laughs> I'm talking about positions of authority that God has given you in conquering the world. Amen. Places that God has released you into that you must just be faithful in. Because if you are, if you can kindle that little fire that we spoke about weeks ago. I actually forgot about that video. I'll send it to you guys. It's a beautiful one that Margo has sent me. We can kindle those little fire, uh, little flames and, and let it become the felt fire. But don't be so ambitious that you miss being faithful in what God has given you now. <laughs> Secondly, your predestination will bring a load that you are able to carry. I can't, I don't know why these last few weeks I just met these guys that all, all of them, their wheels are coming off in the workplace just because of the pressure and, you know, even the guy staying um, close to us, you know, um, you look at him and you think, Yo, listen, you just need some sleep. Just <laughs> stop working and just get into bed because <laughs> um, he's working through the nights and he's, and I'm talking to so many people these days that are struggling through the same. They are sleepless nights and, you know, it's, and like one voice, all of them say, this is not life. You know, this is not what God has called me to. And what I'm just thinking is somewhere we must take all of our lives. <laughs> because there is a load that you must carry. But you will be able to carry it if you are at the right place. <laughs> you will not fall. You will be very strong, but you will also know that God is with you. Amen. Number three. If your predestination determines suffering, you do it with a smile. <laughs> I, I just thought that's a good one to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching to myself here as well. <laughs> so, if your predestination determines suffering, do it with a smile. Stop moaning and complaining and staying in Egypt and in the wilderness. Get out of Egypt. Get out of the wilderness and start to uh, celebrate the load that God has given you. <laughs> okay? And stop feeling guilty whenever you are with other Christians to tell them how busy you are and you don't have time to rest. You know, I, I hear it a lot. You know, we're so afraid to say, I've just played golf today or just, <laughs> <laughs> or I just, I just watched a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh? We're so afraid. We feel so condemned if we did anything that is just, you know, restful. So the last mm. two weeks, me and my wife on Thursdays, because she, um, 
well, she's just awakening now. So um, just women's event um, all the time on Thursdays, but at least we're together on Thursdays, um, you know, taking some time um, off a bit uh, because she, uh, she's got one day off at um, work. And you know what? I feel guilty not doing anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorting this out with God. <laughs> Life must be a journey and we must enjoy it. <laughs> because the load that Christ has given us is an awesome one. <laughs> because he will give us the power to overcome. Number four, let your ministry or then serving not be more important than the people it was called to serve. God, God's got great plans for you, but stop and just appreciate the people that are around mm. you <laughs> because they are journeying with you and you forgot actually about them. <laughs> Maybe they're not the people that you thought you're going to conquer the world with. <laughs> Jesus had to do it with 22 year olds. <laughs> and these guys definitely didn't have it all together. But these were his men, and he was very proud of them. <laughs> Number five, do not take your destiny in your own hands by scheming. Trust God to work circumstances and relationships in your favor. Mm. Mm. Do you trust God enough for your life yeah. that you can leave circumstances to roll, <laughs> that those waves can start to roll in your life? <laughs> Without you having control over it, because you trust God that He's going to um, allow His will to uh, to be fulfilled over your life. Mm. This is Jacob's problem. He cannot wait until God performs the miracle. He every time needs to do something by himself. Mm. Sell his brother some um, soup, and uh, <laughs> even when his brother pursued him. He thought the worst. He thought, you know, yes, big trouble. This boy, this boy is going to uh, give me a big hiding now. And at the end, his brother was so favorable toward him. He said, you know, I want to bless you. <laughs> Number six, don't let your personal ambitions hinder you to repent and put God first. <laughs> I think it was hard for Peter to admit to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus... You know, of all of these disciples, I was the one that at least cut some ears off. <laughs> so please, Jesus, don't be too hard on me. <laughs> I really love you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was at least the one that uh, had a brave attempt. I know, I know the crow did um, <laughs> statement. Uh, you know, after the, the rooster did do his um, crowing. But uh, Jesus... Just have mercy on me. <laughs> I think of all of the disciples, for Peter, this was the worst thing that could happen because he's the man. I mean, Peter is doing great exploits. You know, we were reading about the disciples um, on Friday morning in discipleship <laughs> and accountability. And um, the... Um, for, it's the first time that I've actually read it like that in John. Um, and I must say, I've been through John so many times, but it's the first time that it actually uh, was so evident for me that it says that John and Peter race toward the grave to see who's first at the grave. And it says that John actually was the first disciple at the grave. And I th thought about it and I think, 
John was the one writing it, wasn't it? Why was it so important to leave this bit of information, you know, that John was the first one at the grave, if you are the one writing the, the gospel of John? <laughs> you know, there, I think there was a lot of competitiveness and, you know, great things happening with the disciples and they had, and I think Jesus sometimes had a laugh with these young men, you know, that were so committed to the cause and they really wanted them to do the best. <laughs> and yet sometimes they missed him. Peter missed him and God was committed to him. Peter, it's fine. Just get behind me and focus on what God wants for your life. And it, uh, it might be great exploits. It might just be being faithful in the little that you've now received. But Peter, don't try to make war when I am not at war. <laughs> and I'm willingly going to, to the cross. Jesus was always in complete control of his crucifixion, of when it happened, and also um, his resurrection. <clears throat> Let's just quickly stand. Yeah, we can uh, kill that thing. Um, heart rate.